0: where are the low value men like what are what are all the low value men up to during these trying times because the high value men they, i know they're around they won't shut the fuck up low value men i have not heard a word out of i'm starting to think i'm on their side i think i want one of those i want a low value man they don't make podcasts i haven't seen one low value man make a podcast do they not know how to use microphones maybe that's a good thing that's that's hot All right, I haven't seen, I've never seen a man use a microphone for good. Until
1: now, everybody, buckle up. It's low value mail time with your host, Danny Polishchub. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to an all new episode of Low Value Mail. It's episode 63. Is that significant? Not the number. Although I'm trying to get this numerologist uh, Gamatria guy on the show, so maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe he'll explain it to us. But that is not important. What is important on this May 23rd, uh, 2023? Look at all these numbers that are popping up. We have an amazing guest for you tonight. Uh, Roy Price is going to be joining us very shortly on the show. If you don't know who Roy Price is, Roy Price founded Amazon... Video. He's the former head of Amazon Studios. He's won 14 Best Series Awards at the Emmys and Golden Globes. Uh, He has some amazing insight on the film and TV industry, as well as some cool thoughts on how crypto NFTs will be a part of the movie industry. Going forward, and if you know me, you know that uh I am i don't I, I'm not an aspiring uh writer I mean I've written uh and and I started a movie called Phil City. you can check it out. it's on Tubi. when I was back in Canada Ryan long and myself uh we wrote uh, a movie that uh is in I don't know what's going on with that but anyways uh i'm I'm very excited about this because as someone who is a lifelong TV and movie. Fan, It's just, it, it'll be nice to speak with somebody who like really knows what's going on. But more importantly, where things are headed. Because I think a lot of people are pretty frustrated. Definitely people who are watching this are pretty frustrated uh, with the state of a lot of this stuff. So we're going to be joined by Roy very shortly. Uh, in the meantime, just a little housekeeping to get out of the way as always. And thank you very much. I just want to say everybody for taking their... There are uh, Tuesday nights to, con- to come hang with uh, myself over on Low Value Mail. We-, we do appreciate you. But so, as always, if you want to support the show, you can do so. Just like, subscribe, leave a rating, review if you're listening to this. Um, and then, as always, we're going to have an after show at 11 p.m. The after show is super chill. We just get copyright claims watching videos. Uh, I think we got two last week. Uh, so we-, we have a good time. And if you want to get access to that, you can sign up over on... Uh, Well, here on YouTube, if you want to do that, you can just become a scrote member over on YouTube. You can go sign up on Patreon, locals, uh, or even Twitter. You can do, Uh, we can do it on Twitter. And then as always, tomorrow... And uh, just a note back to the subscriber thing. But once we hit 500 subscribers, which we're in the three ballpark, once we hit 500 subscribers, we'll be having some more content coming, whether that's uh, I haven't decided yet. Either I'm going to make this show longer, go real coast to coast vibes, or we'll have a, like an afternoon show for all the Euro-Australian people who stay up late to listen to this shit. Um, tomorrow night, we're back with an all new episode of The Bath House, live from the Stand Comedy Club Green Room. At 10.30 p.m. And we are going to be joined tomorrow by show favorites J.J. Lieberman, Derek Drescher, and my boy Steve Francois. All very funny comedians. Uh, Join my mailing list if you want to see me doing uh, stand-up where you live. Like, not in your house or anything, but I mean... No, I don't want to go to your house. I used to do gigs like that when I used to live in Canada where people would straight up be like, hey, can you just come do stand up like for Christmas? And you'd be like, we just like everybody's like in their socks, just drinking like eggnog and you're just doing stand up for them with no microphone. It was uh, comedians referred to these things as hell gigs. Hell gigs is what they are referred to as in the comedy. Comedy industry. Um, So anyways, please do that. And uh, yeah, and then the phone lines, we will be opening the phone lines uh, at some point during the show. So, without further ado, let me figure this out. We are going to bring Roy on one second, please, everybody. Hold on, Roy. Sorry, everybody. As you know, I do this all myself. Um... One second. One second, Roy. Here we go. Move that there. Do that there. Here we go. Roy, how you doing? <laughs> Sorry. Good, I had to, Danny. I, yeah, I just had to rejigger a few things around in my uh, my streaming software over here. But thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate this. I'm super excited about this as I was uh, telling you off the air. And uh, we have we have uh, much to talk about. And uh, I'm pretty pumped. So so Roy Price, thank you for coming on the show. H- how are you doing, Roy?
2: Good. I appreciate it and I'm very impressed by your mastery of of the uh of Zoom.
1: I mean I mean it's it's everything. I don't know if you know about this thing called like OBS, but I have this whole broadcasting software as well. So I'm like I'm essentially running a TV show by myself right now. It's not a great TV show production-wise, but it's not <laughs> bad. It's not right? ba- I love it. Yeah, it's not bad either. It's not bad either. So, um Roy, I think we I don't know how, how we connect. We connected somewhere on Twitter. We met when you were in New York, uh, maybe sometime last summer, I want to say, yeah. very, very mm-hmm. briefly. I remember you were wearing that sharp Mickey Mantle jersey. I That's do right. Remember that. yeah. Are you a Yankees yeah. fan?
2: Uh, Yes, and I went to the Yankees game that day, and then I, I came by and saw you guys.
1: Right, right. Okay, cool, cool. So you have been uh working in the uh TV film industry for since weird uh the early 2000s is that correct?
2: Uh probably the late 90s. Late 90s. Okay. Yeah. L- late so 90s. I was, I was at Disney then.
1: So you used to work at Disney and then you moved over to Amazon, you basically founded if, if correctly uh like Amazon Studios. Is is that the Yeah.
2: Yeah, so they Amazon wanted to get into digital video. They sold DVDs and stuff, and um, and so I went up to do that.
1: You went up from you went to Seattle.
2: Uh huh. You moved to Seattle. Yeah, I'd I'd never been to Seattle. Really? You just
1: and did they like did they find you or like how how did that work?
2: Uh, they had like a um an ad. Uh, I think at the McKinsey website. Yeah. And so I uploaded my resume because I had the idea to do basically the same thing, but on my own. And then, uh, when I learned that they wanted to do it, I thought, well, they probably have a good, a good shot. They have a slight advantage.
1: Yeah. Over so, me solo. Yeah. And this was 2000 what? F- four?
2: Uh, I went up there in 2004.
1: 2004. So in 2004, you were already like... Because I'm trying to think, in 2004, I was living in Canada. I was still for sure doing like the... Getting the Netflix, like where they send you the one DVD and then... Yeah. Which Netflix still does that? Is that true?
2: I I think they stopped that
1: now. Or they stopped that pretty recently. But there was like up until fairly recently, there was still a small portion of that business that was like still remaining where they would correct s- straight up send you a DVD. There's still red box around, which I always,
2: you know what I'm talking about? Like the, I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's like a vending machine. It's like
1: a vending machine for DVDs. Do you have a way to play a DVD?
2: I do not.
1: Yeah. Neither do I. I always wondered like, and it's not even like everything's so cheap now. Like, Technology wise, where like I imagine if you wanted to buy a DVD player, it's probably ten dollars.
2: Yeah, it's probably easy, and you can also do it in your Xbox. But it, I don't yeah. have an Xbox right now, so uh, I have DVDs, but no player.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not much of a, a gamer myself, so anyway, so you, you started Amazon Studios, uh, or Amazon Video and Amazon Studios, a different thing. <laughs>
2: Well, Amazon Video is the service that you visit and they play videos. And Amazon Studios is the entity that produces the original content in the service. Right. Like, you know, uh, the boys or or whatever. And uh, so I went up there. um, And the reason I left Disney to begin with was that I felt the Internet was going to totally change everything about television. And... um, disney was not going to ask the uh tv animation execs to like figure that all out so uh so that's why i left originally and then uh wound up at amazon when they wanted to do that and i was a huge amazon fan so i thought they had a great opportunity and um so you know got up there and I thought maybe they would have, you know, having been at McKinsey, I I thought maybe they would have a big deck that was like, you know, this is how we figured this out. And this is our strategy. And and so I I asked my boss at the time, like, whether that existed. And he just showed me an email from, I think, an email from Jeff Bezos Bezos, uh, saying, you know... I think we should probably get into digital video, <laughs> and that that's, was like the that's, whole. That's it. He that just was goes, it.
1: Hey. and and then that, they just are like, we're just gonna figure. And was there like a lot of pushback at the time? Like, were there a lot of people who were like, this is stupid, this is not the future, kind of thing?
2: Oh yeah, you know, one of the one of the early gatherings uh, at Amazon that I went to, I, I met the guy who was running DVD. And I said, "Oh yeah, I just started, and I'm here to do digital video." And he said, "Oh, downloading video? Like, who is ever gonna do that?" <laughs> uh, you
3: know.
1: I had. I'll but never. Was, yeah, I'll never forget. I have a friend who tells a story where, like, when he was, he's my age, uh, uh, late 30s, and when the internet was starting to become like you know ubiquitous kind of thing, where everybody was like, but people were getting the internet for the first time, and his mom like really put up a stink about getting the internet because she's like this is just a fad like this thing is going to come and go why do we have to go like have someone come in our house and all this stuff so but you'd think this was his mom she didn't work in tech big tech I mean I don't know if was Amazon considered big tech at that time I think so yeah probably right
2: at least medium tech.
1: Medium tech for sure. Yeah. So anyway, so you got that all off the ground. And so what? What are the you know the the shows that I'm sure many of the people who are listening, watching know that you were kind of responsible for.
2: Uh. So you know, after a while, I made the argument that we were going to have to get into original content, and that everybody was going to get into original content to make their service distinctive and a lot of people did not believe that that was uh controversial but uh we did start amazon studios get into original content and um in the early days we just did half hours so we did like transparent mozart in the jungle and uh then it went on to like fleabag and catastrophe marvelous mrs mazel and we started doing hours like the boys and Bosch and and other shows, and uh, um, and we did a lot of kids animation as well and movies.
1: Yeah, and you kind of, I guess, what saw that because it was a big part of having to make the content yourself that it was going to become difficult to license because everybody was going to be trying to license like the same like con- finite amount of content. Like, is that part of well, it?
2: Yeah, I think the two parts of it are you want your own distinctive content and your own distinctive brand that, you know, where you own the content, you control it. And secondly, some concern that at some point the studios might uh, pull back on licensing to third party uh, SVOD services, which indeed has happened. So, you know, the original content strategy was was critical. And we also launched original content in uh, you know, overseas. So in India, Japan, Germany. So he spun up those programs and got some successful uh, shows in those areas.
1: Cool, cool. Um, and uh, there was a cool. You, you had a tweet that I thought was really cool um, about the the Marvel and the Hulk thing that I thought pe- people. Oh yeah, pretty cool. If you want to pe- tell people that, that, I thought was like a <laughs> pretty cool.
2: Well when I was a kid my uh family was in the business so my father ran Universal TV so uh the reason that Marvel exists on TV and film is that uh is that I always wore an incredible Hulk uh t-shirt and he asked me what it was and thought it was cool and uh and so he called Stan Lee and made the deal for Universal to get a bunch of Marvel rights and so they did um, Incredible Hulk, and I think they did another one. I think they did Captain America uh, as like a Sunday night movie or something. And anyway, that's how Marvel got into showbiz uh, to begin with. I they probably would have anyway yeah, like at
1: some point, but you, you kind yeah. of were the the catalyst at the that point. That's that's yes. A- <laughs> I,
2: I had a, I had a small role. Yeah, small role.
1: Do you have you ever think that if you had wearing a, other t shirts? That those like you, do you have any other t shirts you think back to where you go, Man, if I was just wearing that more, that would have been a huge, uh, surprise. you know,
2: I, I could have been wearing like a slinky t shirt that would not <laughs> have been as entertaining.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know, I've watched those go downstairs, those are pretty exciting.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think I did ultimately, you know, I had there was a magazine called Heavy Metal, and that movie did get made, and it was not quite as successful.
1: Okay. I don't. Yeah. I'm not sure if I. <laughs> I'm not sure I know that one. Um. Okay. So I, I want to talk to you about because I, I was reading your Substack. I was uh, listening to some stuff on podcast. You have a pretty. You obviously. You know, kind of like to think where the puck is going, using a, a hockey analogy. I guess obviously with the the digital stuff. So we were talking just off air about how there's like, and, and also you had posted this on your Twitter. People go fo- can go follow you on, on Twitter, but. Um, you posted this chart about how there's, like, not comedy movies. There's not blockbuster yeah. comedy movies anymore. And I remember you posted that, and I went and looked at it because this is obviously something I'm interested in. Like, when I got into comedy, period, like, it was, you know, I, I very much was wanting to, you know, I've written all these scripts and all this stuff, and I was, you know, that's what I want to do, and then started doing, like, stand-up and all that stuff. But, like, there hasn't been... The last blockbuster comedy that I saw was Ted, Right. Like 12 years ago.
2: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: And, you know, and I think, like, I'm like, I don't really, like, I go I go to uh, theaters. I saw everything, whatever, all at once, everything, everywhere, all at once in yeah. the theaters, you know. But I, I feel like, you know, just, I like, I don't really talk about, like, movies are not just, like, people don't discuss them as much anymore. It's more TV, I think, which I guess... Uh, Streaming might be, you know, somewhat of a culprit of, uh, but like all my friends are comedians, and it used to be that they would all end up in movies, right? And now they're not. Like they don't even like they don't write like movies. Nobody's interested in them for movies. I was saying before, like Bert Kreischer has the Machine coming out, which he's hoping will kind of rejuvenate movies for comedy. So I guess my my question is, um, like why? Like wh- what do you think it is?
2: Yeah, well, it's because people don't like to laugh anymore. They've just <laughs> lost that interest. The thing uh, is they like to
1: in, in comedy clubs. Like every you your comedy clubs right now are are seeing like a real boom in the, like the in-person yeah. comedy. And I don't and it, there might be something related to the fact that like people legitimately are going to comedy clubs. Like someone came up to me. I was at a bar watching a game by myself and some guy was like, "Yeah, we were just at the Beacon Theater watching this comedy show." And he's like this guy, Theo Vaughn, who's like not a racy, like, you know, he's not super edgy comedian by any standards. And he's like, you know, these guys, they really say stuff you're not allowed to say. Huh. Like, there's like that big element where people are like, I have all these thoughts that I have that if I say I'll get in trouble. So I just need to go watch somebody say them so that I don't feel like crazy or something. I don't know.
2: Right um well you know most of my tv work has been in comedy and um uh you know and and the problem is in movies where it's gone from 20 percent of the market to six uh but also in tv like people are not really looking for the next south park and they're not green lighting a lot of hilarious shows and um i i really i think it is going to come back i think we just have to figure out exactly how but you know it's like inevitable you can't stop the tide of culture uh so i think it's temporary and we just have to figure out how to bring it back um and i do not think it's audience driven i I think it's just that uh the powers that be in hollywood have kind of decided they don't like comedy like some people have said that comedy doesn't travel, but at Amazon, uh, Big Bang Theory was like our number one show in Germany. It was it was our number one show for years. Overdubbed. And so, uh, yeah, it was dubbed. Uh, so I don't really believe that. Um, I just think that you know, mainly the people in charge are not comedy people. They're yeah. just not that into it.
1: Yeah, but in
2: heaven comedy, their background tends to be in drama,
1: their background tends to be in drama, like because I, I try to understand, like, what kind of like cultural component is, is because don't comedies generally like cost way less to make than, you know, like uh, comparable.
2: Um, they cost somewhat less. I mean, like a primetime half hour, you know, is going to be it could be around three million for a half hour. And a hour, you know, could be six, but if you spend a lot, it could be fifteen. So, right, comedies are are cheap, way cheaper than Game of Thrones, but uh, but there are hours that are about the same. Can be, you like know, a same I don't, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that um, always
1: that always seemed like the thing with like Rob Schneider. Because like Rob Schneider is like still. I don't know the degree to which he's making movies right now, but he has a very, like, you know, impressive career, and his whole thing, as far as I understand, was his movies just cost, like, you know, five million bucks, and they made right always more than that, and they were just kind of, like, you know, didn't have a ton of setups in them, just, you know, and they were just all driven by him, and they just always, always seemed to do well, but, yeah, like, none of my friends are... I have some friends who are, like, literally some of the biggest comedians in the world,
2: well, I do think that it's probably time for a kind of a new generation of comedy people. You know, just if you objectively look at who you would cast and how old everyone is, um, you know, a lot of the people on YouTube and TikTok are there and they're popular and they're ready to do stuff you actually have to like pull them away from their YouTube stuff. Like they don't yeah. want to stop. They don't want to discontinue that or take a break, but you know, you have to say, look, it's only eight weeks and you know, you get this and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and so that group of people, I, I think, you know, is the core of the revolution. And the question is just, what is the platform?
1: Yeah. And what, you and what know, do you, is what it, do you think that is?
2: Is it an existing platform that is going to pivot, which I think is unlikely, or, you know, do we create something new?
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I agree with that. Like, someone, you know, I, I do a podcast with Ryan Long, and, like, all, all my friends do podcasts on – that are just free on – I mean, this right here, like, all, all this stuff. Right. We do this stuff partially because – and I don't know if it was, like, a cultural thing uh, with, like, comedy was not, like – um. I guess just people were scared of comedy because, you know, everything was so sensitive culturally, like especially during like the Trump era and stuff where, you know, it just was smarter business decision to go safer with everything. Like you can't get Uh in trouble with that. But yeah, so now everybody has a podcast. You know, they have these Patreons. Everybody's expecting a new episode every week. So for someone like, say, Shane Gillis to just take off for his podcast for two months. Right. Right. Right, people and I guess you know you can batch record them or record them remotely but for him you know like he has someone else who he does it with but yeah i i I, I am very curious about that because I felt like we're in like a comedy dark ages for
2: like in terms of yeah. movies specifically definitely it's like it's the worst it's yeah. the worst ever yeah but you know which which I like to think is also an opportunity because if you If you come out with the brand that really is the good, fun, edgy comedy, then you're going to be the only one. Yeah. You know, it's not like there are eight other people doing this who know what they're doing.
1: Of course. Um is there an element with that where like a studio doesn't want to like the like if you if you work at a studio you don't even want to say green like just say my example like me and Ryan like they don't they would never want to give us a movie cuz they're like if we're wrong about this and we let you do your thing like we're all done we're all done for if if we miss the mark on that like is that just like a risk issue
2: I mean that's true of every movie though yeah you know i mean if any movie bombs then you know, you take, uh, you take career risk on anything. Right. So, um, but you know, generally your first best comedy is going to be better than like your fifth best drama. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so why aren't we making the first best comedy?
1: Yeah. So you do think that, that what was the figure you said? It was 6%. Yeah.
2: And that's including a lot of family movies as comedies.
1: So there's just there's no comedy movies anymore, basically, yeah, like, basically, yeah, I like I mean I honestly can't I can't like I, I yeah i can't I can barely think of any yeah, I mean,
2: like what was the great one last year?
1: <laughs> I don't know i well I, you I know you people was out, I don't think it did that well, but I guess that's another problem, right is that it, because a lot of comedies like comedy doesn't need to be in a theater. Like, you'd maybe think, like, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once, even though that doesn't need to be, but it's a better experience, or, like, definitely any sort of, like, these, you know, World War One movies, like, those do, so then they go on to Netflix, at which point they don't release how they do.
2: Right, right. But um... So
1: I guess you don't even know, like, is there a way that that could have been the biggest? I mean, I know it wasn't, but... Like, can it be these huge movies and we don't even know? Or is this strictly just, like, a box office thing?
2: Well, you do get some report on, on how they're doing. Yeah. Um, and some people have said, you know, actually the, the box office number exaggerates the difference a little more because there are there are some comedy movies being made, you know, straight for streaming. Um, okay, but it, it still isn't like, oh, it's the same... It's just that the comedy movies are going to streaming, yeah. Uh, because I mean, just look at the top comedians. Are they doing movies? I mean, like, is Chappelle doing a movie? Is Tim Dillon doing a movie? Like, uh,
1: Schultz. Is nobody. Yeah, Schultz, nobody is doing a movie. Schultz. We just had on our on our podcast, the Boys Cast, a few weeks ago, and he's been starting to get into like having parts in movies. Um, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, someone like Tim Dillon, you know, he's making ten million dollars a year or something on his Patreon, and probably right. just like, why, like, why bother? Why bother? Yeah, it's so <laughs> weird. I guess movies just don't have like the king-making power that they once had. But actually,
2: you know, if he did a great movie, I I think it would be very good for him.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like, there's no way that people don't like comedies anymore.
2: Yeah, and there's there's something about a great movie that that a great comedy movie that people remember and they quote that enhances your career in a way that you know little else does, or even a show, mm-hmm. you know, even a TV show. You know, if you had a Kirby enthusiasm or or whatever, um, uh, that can do a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the quote the quotability thing. Like, you know, it's for me and my friends were you know something like Borat or like the um, Anchorman. Like, probably I still there's a comic I'm not going to name him, but he does a Borat impersonation on stage right now, which is like an absolute cardinal sin <laughs> in yeah. comedy. But you're like, that's just like the legs something like Borat has. Where you're like, it's still around, even though so funny. Yeah, which is like just. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy, but yeah, I I always wondered like, what needs to get people to go back to? Are theaters down in general, like since COVID? Like, is have they not like really come back?
2: Oh, they they went way down. Uh, yeah. now they're they're really coming back. Yeah, that's what I'm so saying. I know they're back.
1: Theaters are back. Mm-hmm. So it's just basically everything but comedy.
2: Yeah, essentially. And that they're just not being greenlit. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like if you took, if you had the next South Park, and you brought it to networks around town, I I don't think you could sell it. And you and it's, even even with a very funny Jesus versus Santa pilot, yeah,
1: and not because they don't think it would be, like, would be losing the money. Like it's they're like, are they like at the end of the day, are they like this is a business and it's all just about like profitability or? Is there more like I always wondered this just like personally? Like, how much are they just like this is a business? I don't think this is a good business decision, or are they just like we're not putting that out?
2: You know, people have stuff that they're into, there is a fair amount of variety on different services, but but there are I think people have leanings that that can be different from the audience and. Hollywood kind of has a monoculture and and right now comedy is is disfavored and and in that in that monoculture and everyone just kind of seems to agree and be in the same mode. Yeah. I mean it's uh,
1: it's the thing that's by far the riskiest in terms of getting you, you know, in trouble with kind of like the Internet mods. I mean, I guess.
2: Although with a movie, I mean, it's not like you don't get to see the movie before you release it. So that, right, right. Uh, you know, we can always watch it, and we know uh, uh, roughly how controversial it's <laughs> going to be. Uh, you're not going to be surprised. So, I don't think some. You know, like if you're doing live stand-up or something, I guess you could be surprised. You know, someone could say something nuts. But, you know, I don't I don't think that's a yeah, huge issue.
1: So it's just the appetite for just the people who are in charge. They're just it's, it's almost it's just, just not, like not a the cycle. Yeah, it's just like a cyclical Like Why thing. do we
2: have so much true crime? Like we America does not produce enough interesting crimes to do the number of true crime shows that apparently we need to do. Like yeah. we don't have a sufficient supply of crime. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there's just quote. Like, there's I think this, a lot of people this,
1: would argue with you on that. Yeah.
2: There's like a huge demand for like true crime. Why is that? I don't know. It's just like, you know, what people are into, I guess. Um, so sometimes preferences do make a difference. I'm not saying there isn't a demand for true crime, but I think there would also be a demand for, um, for comedy and yeah. but some, sometimes things are just out of favor. Yeah. It
1: just tastes. Yeah. Like I honestly find myself now I have, uh, you know, HBO max, although interesting. You come on the day that HBO max becomes max. Yeah. Which, why is that? I'm sure you're, why do they keep changing? It, was it?
2: huge, huge demand for the max name.
1: <laughs> like, why do they keep huge. doing that? I honestly, huge. I've been seeing commercials for it. And I honestly, I'm like, you're spending so much money to just, like with all these huge A-list actors to say it's called Max now. And I'm just like, why?
2: Well, you know, I, I think what it is is that HBO is a very strong brand that was perceived as being a little prestige or elite, and that put a ceiling on it as to how many subscribers you could get. And so by going to Max... They just kind of start fresh. It doesn't mean anything to anyone. And um, so maybe it won't have any negatives. You know, like HBO is kind of like fancy TV. So people love it, but it's like, you know, 30, 40 million households love it. And the rest, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like maybe too fancy. Maybe too fancy. So I, I suspect that was the rationale
1: interesting um and speaking of uh which because i was reading your your most recent uh substack which people can find but so you you uh ha- this is re- uh relating to the the comedy thing but also you're saying you canceled netflix because essentially which today is also the day that netflix there's a lot happening in the tv world today netflix announced today that they're going to start charging all the freeloaders uh right in, in america and yeah, like I find myself like I have Netflix, I have HBO Max, I have YouTube TV, I have all these things and then the main thing I watch right now is just reruns of cops on, <laughs> on uh stuff but so it's like are, are is there it's honestly almost exhausting that there's so many different and like some will be like oh you've seen this show and I'm just like I can't sign up for another streaming
2: thing. Right. Like Neither is, can I.
1: Yeah, like, are they ever going to figure – because I know they're obviously all different companies. Like,
2: I mean, I would actually if there was something great, you know, if there was like – if we put together all these great comedy shows and movies uh, and di- basically did everything that Hollywood is not doing. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing is Hollywood is, at least last year, did a lot of boring, nostalgic, political, uh, overly serious, dramatic – Indie movies that bored everyone And bombed yeah. And I just think That's like people being A little out of touch and like not Not really Up to the moment you know like everything Everywhere was fun And had energy you know But I could name six movies That were like Really nostalgic And political and that That's not I really don't think that's the Mood people are in Yeah, I I think people would much rather see like a an updated like Cannonball Run, sure, uh, or something like that, like something a little rambunctious and fun
1: and fun. Yeah, is is the problem the like the development time? Like, is it because I imagine that some of those movies you're referencing, you know, maybe started getting written. When you know the political tensions were like at their highest, so they're like, "This is what the country needs, and you're like, "Yeah, but this doesn't come out for five years or something
2: right um I don't know I mean that's it that's the key to being a good you know picker of movies is you have to be able to look into the future and have a sense of what is what is not going to be passé two years from now right so um and there were a lot of there were a lot of a lot of misses last year. So, yeah.
1: What do you think about all the stuff that's going on with like the awards? Because I, I saw you in your, your, uh, Substack. I believe you're saying how like awards used to, you know, if an award, if you won an award that was, you know, pretty big. Yeah. I, th- movie. I think
2: it used to matter more. And you used to be able to like plan your strategy a little more around awards um but now viewership of award shows has really substantially declined like by 70% and so the upside is just much lower like the free advertising of winning an oscar winning an emmy is just a lot lower um and so unfortunately even though i i really love that kind of movie uh kind of special film if you will uh it's You know, you probably, uh, if you were running a streamer or something, you wouldn't bet as much money on that category now. Yeah,
1: because I I do wonder, like, the whole thing, the stuff that they've done with the awards where they're like, yeah, we have all these new rules, like, in terms of all, like, the diversity stuff, which is basically what was, like, like, me and Ryan came from Canada, which was, they were doing that stuff in Canada, like, when we were still there or whatever, but it seems like the moment that they say like, Hey, you need to check all these boxes. Then you're like, well then either all the awards you gave in the past were wrong because you were either ignoring these people. Right. Or then all the ones going forward are wrong. Cause you're now ignoring these people. And it's just like, not that they were the, these insanely legitimate institutions, but you're like, they were pretty big. Like, you know, the Oscars I, when I was younger, I used to watch the Oscars all the time. And now People just are like, Yeah, I don't know, it's the Oscars.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh yes, and they, they, they have all sorts of new rules, uh that I'm not an expert in, but you know, presumably that excludes some titles. And uh so the whole category, unfortunately, of Indian prestige, uh, you know, upscale movies is is really going through a, a very difficult time um they also lost a lot of key like indie type theaters um so that's not good for that category so you know one of the worst one of the one of the toughest areas is if you're trying to get like an indie film made like if you're trying to do tar or manchester by the sea or something like that um you know tough yeah Tough like, road no. this year. E- e- oh, yeah. No. Um, all right. Let's, or let's... it would have to be made for a lot less because like what? Tar was made for like, I don't know, 30. And, um, you know, so like movies in that category might have to come down way down to like, you know, nine, something right. like that.
1: Which is, can that be done?
2: I mean, you lose a lot.
1: It's so funny. We made this movie in Canada. Like it was like the most like buyer bootstraps movie, and I think it cost eight hundred thousand dollars. And it was we had explosions right. and all this stuff, but uh, these were not these were not uh, big Hollywood movies. So let, let's uh, pivot. I have a, some questions about technology because I know you're really big into into that, and then we're gonna open up the phone lines in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, you, you're you're obviously like you're really into crypto NFTs. Uh, I've seen a lot of comments on AI and stuff. Uh, you said AI can be a helpful tool for writers.
2: I think so. Yeah. I think it will I, be.
1: Yeah. Cause I think there's like a lot of, obviously with the strike right now. Right. So I, I think a lot of, this is a, like a lot more in focus and I guess whatever the public and just people kind of knowing about this stuff. But so in terms of first off, in terms of the strike, because I, they talk about, they're like, yeah, one of the things the writers are on strike about is the use of AI. Mm-hmm. But like, I'm like, if, I just can't understand this. Like, what scenario can they really use AI, like, to actually replace a writer?
2: Well, I I think they're worried about a couple of scenarios. One is, I guess, theoretically, where the AI just writes the script or does a rewrite or something like that. Having experimented with it extensively, I, I can say we're nowhere near that it would have to it would have to get so much better I mean isn't um, that like
1: replacing humans level like to be able to just write a compelling like screenplay
2: yeah I mean like forget it and yeah, like it's, particularly it's... in comedy like in comedy in particular you're, you're fully protected <laughs> because <laughs> you know GPT is so not funny and uh, and also there are like a million things that cannot joke about
1: Right. Yeah. I, I I actually did. When it came out, I took it for, uh, you know, trying to give it all these prompts or whatever. And I will say that if you prompt it correctly, it can it can give you like a stand up routine of someone who's like probably their first week in comedy. <laughs> Like, to be okay. honest, like where you go, like, I've been to like an open mic and I've seen some kind of joke uh-huh. here. But you're like, that's not competing with anybody who's doing this for a living in any way. It's
2: not professional. No, yeah.
1: no, not at all. No, no. No. But so but in terms of how it could help. Uh, and I, I guess maybe we'll come back to the writer's strike thing because you probably have some some insight into that, because honestly, I don't think anybody even understands what's going on with that. But uh, actually, no know, now that we're talking about. About it, what exactly? Because I'm sure you have some some fairly good insight. Like, what is uh, the main issue? Is it just like the streaming residuals and stuff like that?
2: There are a number of issues. AI is one. Residuals are are another. Um, like, do you think this drags res- on? Uh, I think it's credible that it would drag on, but you know, you'd have to be psychic to know. There's Really no way to know. But there there are certainly some strong arguments that it could go on for a little while.
1: Yeah, because I see I mean, just anecdotally, but in the New York like stand up scene, like I see all these people who I've not seen or you very rarely seen because they're like writers on Seth Meyers or something. And they just they're like, I have a job and I don't really need to do stand up. And now they're like, yeah, I guess I'm back to doing stand up again. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there are a lot of novels and plays being written and oh, yeah. and stuff like that.
1: And like, will I that... Was... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
2: I was kind of wondering today, I actually don't know the answer to this. If you are a writer in the WGA and you write a movie, can you then, like, at this point during the strike, can you direct and produce it yourself, like, for yourself on your own account with your own money? Um or is that verboten? I, I'm actually not I, sure. About like,
1: if, if and you own the script, like you own. Yeah, like
2: studio. I own the script. I own the movie. I'm the producer, and I'm a writer in the WGA. But I am, I am employing myself. Technically, I'm employed as a writer, but by myself. Like I'm making yeah. the movie, so
1: yeah. And I'm I would getting, am- and I'm getting
2: an amazing deal.
1: Right. <laughs> I imagine they would have some, <clears throat> some beef with that. Like we were in the Canadian unions. And they were legitimately like so heavy handed in like the acting union where we'd go to like film sketches. And like this is like we would be, you know, you go for the odd audition for some show or whatever. And like there'd be, you know, like the boys or something like good shows, like great shows because they were all filmed in Canada. And then you'd say like, I'm going to go shoot like a short film with my with my friends, like on a weekend or something just like to go on YouTube. And you'd hear about it being like they say you can't do that. And I'm just like, this uh-huh. is not a commercial thing. You're like, I'm just doing a thing for my friends because there's not enough right. work. And we're just like trying to make stuff. Cause we like making stuff. Right. And they were literally like, yeah, you can't do that. And you know, if we catch you doing this too many times, we'll kick you out of the union. Wow. Yeah. It was, okay. it was like, and they would send like people to like, like literal spies, like would show up and they, it was it's exactly how you expect uh-huh. Canada to be. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was, uh, it was pretty wild, but, um, Okay, so yeah, back to the AI thing, and then we're going to open the the phone lines up. But so, AI helpful for writers in in what sense? Just like, like like, grammar,
2: like or I think I think it's helpful because you know you've got an assignment to write a script. You sit down at the computer, you tell the AI to write the script, then you email it to the studio, and you collect. Paycheck, <laughs> <laughs> and they probably um, the,
1: the studio has. They just copy it. They plug it into their Chat GPT, their right? AI, right? And then the it goes, AI "This is the greatest. Hey, it is great. This is amazing. <laughs> this is the greatest possible script <laughs> yeah. a human could write right. theoretically." So they go, "Yeah, just just uh, write the check." Um, no, I,
2: I think I think as a practical matter, it it'll be more like a plug-in on Final Draft or Scrivener where it'll help you with stuff. Like, um, you know, if you're working on an outline, it can say things like, you know, your inciting incident feels a little late, or, you know, you maybe you need a, you know, some uh, beat at the end of the second act, or, you know, like give you a little coaching and a little structural yeah.
3: ideas.
2: Uh, I could totally see that. And giving giving you a bunch of facts, you know, like what is the range of a Learjet?
1: Right, you know, just, just like the stuff like where Google, you would, like that, you would hire a consultant for, like, yeah, how right. Like Law and Order has like an actual detective just to make sure it's right, like realistic or whatever. Isn't every AI model like? Isn't it theoretically trained on every movie that's ever been made?
2: Uh, I I don't believe so, but I don't know.
1: Oh, okay, but you could, you could just somehow. You could get a database of every script that's ever been written or say, you know, the top whatever, 10,000 movies of all time. And you can say here, just here's your training. Do this. I think what you would
2: have to do is develop some way of helping the system understand when a scene or a script is good as opposed to just reading a thousand scripts And not having any idea which is good, which is bad. I think it would be helpful to have them be annotated. But anyway, yeah, you could do that in theory.
1: Um, Okay. All right. So I want to actually get to – and we'll open the phone line shortly. But um, So you're a big crypto guy, big NFT guy. That's actually how we – we uh, had a little back and forth because you had an NFT project. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this is kind of – and I'm very interested by this because I I have some NFTs, um, some basketball ones, some top shots. Oh, uh, wow, okay. Yeah, they're not doing great, but um, it's fine. I, I, bought them, I bought them for 20 years from now, and I figured if people care about these, then they'll, they'll be a good thing to have. But so you have a, I, I guess, like, you know, your prognostication is that a lot of the film world is going to be kind of, there's going to be some sort of Web3 NFT tie-in. Uh, I, I guess maybe that's... The...
2: Well, I I think there's an opportunity in... Uh, Like right now, the entire Hollywood business, for the most part, is centralized and it's a a vertical stack. And so you just go to one person in an office and you say, can I make my movie? And there are like six people like that around town and that's the business. And um, I think the opportunity in the future is to disaggregate that and decentralize it so that it would be more like, more like Kickstarter, except with real equity in the movie ownership in the movie. So you would like create a detail page on the web and say what the movie is going to be, you know, it's going to be me and, you know, Ryan long, and it's called this and, and we, we have a script as the director, there's the budget and people buy in. And so instead of looking for a green light from one of six people in town, you're you're just looking for 10,000 people around the world to green light your movie. And it's not a vote because it doesn't matter how many people don't want to green light your movie. They, they don't get a vote. You know, the only people who get a vote are the people who put money into the movie. So uh, I think that... A disaggregated, you know, group of global investors and fans would tend to be more like tend to be less subject to like weird cultural anti-comedy moods than like six people.
1: Right. And so and when you say vote, like that's like a vote in terms of like actual like artistic, uh, you know, questions. It's not a
2: vote. It's it's just like having a an IPO or something. You're right. raising money,
1: like just you gotcha. Just like that's you're, they're voting with their wallets. Essentially, they're just yeah, it, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. So yeah, there's no voting. It's not a democracy, but if you can find some group of fans that are passionate, or some investors, whether they're fans or not, but they believe that this is a good commercial prospect. And you have no idea who they are. You know, they may be LARPing as frogs on the internet, and they live in Dubai or they live next door. Who knows? Uh, but you know, who cares? Um, but and- I think that kind of disaggregated system would would actually have a lot of benefits for creators. I think it would give them a lot more uh, control and a lot more ownership. And you know, for people I talk to, those are those are two things that people really want.
1: Yeah, and that right that, that gives an actual, like, share in the profits of a... Of a...
2: Yeah, so by ownership, I'm, I mean you'd have a lot more upside. So, you know, if you made, you know, Star Wars, you become a billionaire instead of, you know, doing it for Netflix, in which case you would not. So, right. you know, one of the richest people in Hollywood is Haim Saban, who did, you know, kind of like one show. But the show was Power Rangers and he owned it. And the reason, you know, he's a billionaire and someone who did 40 shows for Nickelodeon is definitely not is the ownership. And I think with an open marketplace, uh, you'd get a much better deal.
1: Crazy. I, d- I didn't even know that. There's one guy. How did he start? He just started, just pro- what do you like? Uh, just produced a. To- teaser of, of power rangers and then just sold it
2: well it was actually a, a japanese show and he bought the rights to it and uh cut out all the parts where they weren't in the outfits yeah and uh you know created new sort of interstitial parts and and sold the new show Oh gotcha. and uh you know brilliant and then, Great you, idea. You just,
1: and then you can overdub it in any language right yeah yeah that's because just... their face,
2: faces are covered
1: yeah, I, uh, in uh I don't know if you've ever seen Just for Laughs gags, one of Canada's greatest exports, uh, artistic exports ever, but it's a prank show, like Just for Laughs the comedy festival. I think it's what keeps the whole business afloat is they just have this prank show but nobody ever speaks in it. So it's like syndicated in almost every country in the world. Because, oh wow. Yeah, cuz nobody ever speaks in it. Um all right. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going I mean they're great pranks. They're going to be wrong. They fill them all in like Quebec. And some of them are some of them are deranged, like some of them legitimately is some woman is, you know, like uh, holding like a baby stroller or something. And then she'll be like, hey, to some guy, can you like hold this? And then he'll be like, sure. And then she like lets it go into traffic. And then like, so The guy guy thinks it's like a baby died. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's so crazy. And it's one of the most popular shows. Um canada so anyways the, the phone lines uh are open if anybody wants to call in, ask roy a question i have some questions from oh you know what here we go we got a question right away uh please give me one moment roy why connect them hello
0: hey how's it going
1: hey one second Good. please hey one sec who, i just letting me connect all right you are on with roy price who am i speaking with
0: Uh, I'm just calling from Texas. Uh, I had uh, two questions. uh, The second one is for Royce. But the first one is, uh, Danny, you mentioned something that is shared amongst and common amongst more than a billion people around the world, and that is the digital media overload. overload. There's just way too much to watch. Now, what I'll suggest is not a solution for the whole problem. It's just what's worked for me, and I like miniseries. Okay. Something yeah. where it's like yeah, yeah. I so mean that um like,
1: the Showtime miniseries was the best show I've watched in a long time on HBO. It's honestly the reason I still have HBO is the Lakers Showtime. Yes.
0: So I, I that's what I enjoy because it's like you gave me six, ten episodes and like it's all really good. And then I also do like the format of uh, uh like well how they did true to deck. Detective, where it is a mini series, and then next season is of the same thing but completely different, sort of, if you know yeah. what I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I so gotcha.
0: That's Anyways, you got a question for Roy? my suggestion. Yeah, so my question for Roy was uh, speaking of, because it's been a few years since I used uh, Amazon Prime to watch films and movies and shows and stuff like that, but the one I did watch was uh, Man in the High Castle uh, is Roy. Is familiar with working on any of it, or oh,
2: I or... remember it, but I, <laughs> I wasn't. You know, I had uh, like fifty shows every year and many movies, mm-hmm. so you know, yeah, I don't.
0: So it's, it's nothing specific about the the movie itself, but it is a question that has been t- asked time and time again about people who love consuming media, and I read the book. And I watched the show, and I don't remember if I ever watched like the third season if there was one. But there is a constant thing uh, being asked: why don't film adaptations of written novels like not be accurate to what was written? There's always changes. Did you think
2: it was not accurate?
0: Um. It was like it, it. was accurate in the sense of like it, it matters, but just in terms of the actual plot itself, maybe it like especially just reading when I read the book, I seemed like oh, maybe it would have not been long enough for an entire you know show with multiple. Oh people. yeah,
2: for sure. Like, I with, mean, with that it might book. Have been a...
0: Go ahead.
2: Yeah, with that book, it's uh, it's the narrative itself in the book is is not that substantial. It's basically like setting up. You know the premise and there are some things that happen but you you really have to um take off from there and and our narrative was mostly subsequent to the the uh, events depicted in the book so um you know it had to diverge somewhat but but i i think we did try to stay true to it in essence and um uh, you know, which we tried to do generally, like with Bosch is based on a series of novels about an LAPD detective by Michael Connelly. And Michael yeah, was... Yeah, I'm familiar, with... I'm familiar yeah. with the
0: show and I liked it.
2: Yeah, so Michael was an EP on the show and he was involved with every single episode. And, you know, that's how I would prefer to do it because... Uh, and unless a book is incredibly obscure, assuming a book or a book series has a lot of fans, you know, they're kind of the core audience. They have a certain expectation. So you, you don't want to totally blow that. And uh, so so we try to work closely with, um, you know, the author or somebody who represents the author.
1: And I mean, I guess you probably yeah, don't know. Uh, sorry, Caller, but like, I guess you don't know when you're making a series like Man the High Castle went four seasons, right? but you don't know that so you you know you can't be like oh we're going to like you have to obviously at some point be like okay we're going to have to go in some direction here because like the the original like you know if you um do it from a book or whatever you're like well we did that in season 1 and now we have to kind of continue on essentially but
2: yeah we went way beyond the narrative of the book
1: right right, all right. um all right thanks all oh you me? have anything?
0: yeah thank you yeah, I was going to say, uh, what is it? Uh, it's just with, like, I think uh, with my certain generation, the first time we noticed it was when they started putting out the uh, Harry Potter film out in the theater. And that was when people were, like, in the, immediately slap, snapping to it month Um, Just to tie in the first two questions, and I'll, then I'll hang up after I ask, uh, is there, uh, what is it? Do you think if people wanted, like, more accurate, like, adaptations or something like really well condensed wouldn't uh streaming services kind of lean towards the mini series format just so people aren't overloaded because it does seem like having to make multiple seasons seems like it's just uh it's not really self-fulfilling and it's going to run itself empty all
2: uh, right uh, th- yeah thanks color. Oh. Th- i mean yeah maybe maybe so because i mean yeah if you do enough seasons you'll run through the narrative of any book
1: right yeah is there an actual like conscious because i've heard like the um they make content that's essentially like second screen content like where, where essentially like it's meant to just watch while you're also on your phone like doing something else. Oh, like, what you do you know, think? That's... What do you think about that? I, I, I mean, I imagine writers must just hate that idea, but it must be just like that's how it is.
2: You know, that's something people used to talk about. I, I feel like around 2009 or something, 2010, people would talk about like transmedia and second screen, and uh, it, thankfully, I, I haven't heard either of those terms for like a decade. Oh, okay. Uh, cause I, I thought all of that was like a horrible idea.
1: Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I mean, it does seem like a terrible idea, but you know, like I know a lot of people who are, who would never watch um, like a subtitled movie or anything with subtitles. Cause they're just like, I get lost cause I wind up on my phone for 10 minutes of it and I don't speak that language. And then they're, you right. know what I mean? And then they like come back to it and they're just – I mean, I guess it's one of those things where just like that is just how it is. People's attention is so difficult to – uh so difficult to, I guess, like harness in with, you know, phones and stuff.
2: Yeah, that is true. Although people watch more subtitled content, I think, than ever. Really? Yeah. Like all this uh Korean stuff on Netflix and, you know, there, there's more – popular foreign content in the united states uh than ever really never
1: interesting okay we got another caller here one moment please hello 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 hey how's it going uh hello? you are hey what's up you're on with roy who are you speaking with
4: Oh, uh, pete
1: hey pete how's it going
4: going good hey just wanted uh really quick and I give some thoughts on like the whole not having a lot of comedies out right now. Um, but also, uh, I heard Roy, like, did you do recess and like her- the Hercules show for Disney?
2: Yes. Yes. And Kim possible.
4: And- yeah. Uh, so yeah. those are some of my favorites as a kid. So oh, that's great. I like those goes a lot.
2: Yeah. I love those shows uh, too.
4: But yeah, they were super fun. Um uh, But yeah, for the lack of comedy, I just feel like, you know, like the people who made those types of films, like the filmmakers, like the Judd Apatow's and like Seth Rogen people, like I feel like because they're very progressive people. They're just not they're like trying to like distance themselves from like doing that type of work now. Like if you look back like 10, 20 years ago, like Superbad, of the Millers, Hangover, like those were really good comedies but the people hilarious. that made those comedies, they just don't want to like touch it anymore because like, you know, like people like Jimmy Kimmel, like even like they're all, they all used to be funny people, but now they're like ashamed of it or something because of like, well,
1: they've become like activists like. a little bit. Yeah. It's like that activism and comedy stuff is just such a bad mix.
4: Right. Like it kills it. Like, I mean, like, People love those movies, and they love the jokes in those movies. Like, I don't know how many times I've uh, like heard people repeat the the lines from those movies, or just like sitting in the theaters watching them, and everyone's cracking up because everyone finds that stuff funny. But like nowadays, it's like you almost can't like admit to liking that type of comedy because it's like everything's just very progressive now.
2: Well, like, see, I, don't, I, don't... I
4: don't know if Roy, if Roy would. Sorry, go ahead.
2: You know, I don't even understand why it's really a political thing or has, it's not political, but has kind of a political tinge to it. I i think people can uh, appreciate those comedies and see them in the theater. And, and so I, I think they will come back. I think there's a resistance right now, but uh you know, we just have to figure our way around it. And then I I think it'll be it will become clear that there is there is a substantial market demand, you know, and then I think it'll it'll get back to normal. And will it just Uh, take one? Like is that
1: all it really needs is just one?
2: You know, I mean maybe one they could say that's a crazy fluke. So we might have to do it two or three times.
1: All right, so
4: two or three, and then we're right. back, if, baby.
2: If, if somebody were to make like, the, yeah, if, if somebody
4: could just make like the next American Pie, like obviously not another yeah. one, but like the next yeah. thing that's like that, like I feel like that would really help things, like sort of like get back into like okay, comedy's a good thing, and we can yeah have those movies again. We but are like, on I, the I think same. People page. are just afraid. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I, I, as yeah. far, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, go ahead.
4: But, yeah, as, as as far as, like, uh, Danny, what you were saying, like, not, like, being able to create comedy or whatever, I feel like the best way to do it now maybe is, like, if you and Ryan do, like, your own thing and just kind of produce your own show. Um, I don't know where you could put it out, but, like, I've seen YouTubers just sort of put out, like, free content, and then they, like, that just gets, like, way more publicity than even whatever's, you know, the newest show on Netflix these days. Yeah.
1: I mean the problem with producing your own show, if you wanted like I mean if people know who are boys cast subscribers but on the Patreon. But we actually did put out a full forty five minute T V show recently that's kinda like a Kenny versus Spenny thing. But like to make that that was actually fairly cheap. But if you want to make something like a movie, like it's it's just it's a lot of money and it's a lot of time. Like to write a movie takes a long like a, a good movie takes a long, long time. Like, it's just, it's so, right. I mean, you know. And the problem is sometimes you're like, like, we've had even offers to make stuff where it's unclear where it'll even end up. And we go like, we I don't even know if we want to spend three months on a thing and then nobody sees it, even if we get paid for it. You're like, that That's barely yeah. doesn't even seem worth it. You know, so.
4: Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, that's that's gotta be like a hard thing to just navigate, but yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I just feel like if you guys just keep, trying things or whatever, like something will stick eventually.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's the hope too. Um, all right. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Thanks Pete. Yeah. Yeah. I like, we, we have had people come to us and legitimately say like, Hey, we want to make this thing. And, but then when you find out where it's going to go, it's like on some streaming service, you've never like, you know, like an app or something like all those, we had a thing. Um, the movie that we actually made, in Canada, ended up on uh, Canal Plus. You know what that was?
2: Yeah, it's in France.
1: It, it, it was. I don't think it exists anymore, but it's like every, <laughs> they're all like formerly existing uh, these apps, these little, like these bite, they all wanted to do this like bite size thing. And then, and it's interesting because it was before TikTok actually, all these things happened. So they somewhat were like, foresaw this kind of super short attention span stuff, but I guess it's just so hard to I think the here. I think it
2: would be interesting to say like, okay, we've got you know, three weeks, we have three million dollars, we have like you and Ryan and and Trevor Wallace. Yep. And somebody and we're it's all in Manhattan. Go yeah uh you know and it's like it's a little bit like after hours and let's figure it out sure and you know and then you either go to sundance so it has to be a little artsy um and you know you see you do it as a movie it's not a tv show and uh you know i i think the prospects of that would be pretty interesting you know with a good filmmaker if you wind up with a good script um you know, it could be part of a program that can start to recover comedy. I mean, obviously, eventually you want to be making your comedies 15 or 20, but uh but, you know, it would be interesting to do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, for like, yeah, I don't I don't know the whole necessarily behind the scenes like cost, but that seems like more than enough to make a comedy movie. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, I mean, we're, we're running around and it's, you know, people in rooms and the occasional scene, you know, going down the street or in a taxi. But, you know, it's all domestic scenes. There are no Godzilla. There are no spaceships. Uh, but nevertheless, we find ways to, you know, to make it funny and relevant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, like we just made we did make like for our Patreon for the boys cast. Like we're, we're basically we put out a show every subscriber tier. It's similar to like if you know that show Kenny versus Spenny. Remember that uh-huh. show, which was uh, to two guys from Toronto as well. But uh, I mean, <laughs> we made the whole show for the main expense was we were putting these stupid like drawer things together that we bought these like pieces. It's called Bugman versus Bugman. We bought these like really shitty, uh, the lowest rated thing on Home Depot, like drawers. And then we had to like as a competition. And like that was the main expense for the whole thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was right. like these like right. $300 drawers or whatever. So, it can be made for TV, but yeah, movies different. Like movies just like equipment and whatever all the, all that stuff um all that stuff it, it is I mean, uh, it's a
2: lot cheaper than it used to be. And I, I love a show like uh Nathan for You. I mean, yeah. very funny. Nothing expensive about it, you know.
1: Did you catch the rehearsal? Did you see his new show?
2: Yeah, I mean that's like fun too, but you know, in kind of a no. high-minded <laughs> yeah, way. That was that was very thanks like for all your like Sartre PhD candidate.
1: <laughs> very high concept. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got another call here. Oh, here we go. Hello, one second, please. Hello.
3: Okay. Hey, what's up?
1: Hey, how's it going? All right, you are on with Roy. Who am I speaking with?
3: Hey, so uh, I just have one sort of specific question about uh, the boys' show on Amazon. Um, Season one was a pretty awesome concept, just like regular dudes taking on corrupt superheroes, right? So my (laughs) question is, like, why did you guys or whoever wrote it over at Amazon decide that season two was just going to be about Donald Trump?
2: Well, I left before season two. <laughs> there you go. So I, I I can't speak to that.
3: Okay. I just uh, was wondering if you had any insight as to why everybody was like, let's take this show that everybody likes and this is that, what, is that what, I haven't seen the same season. And let's just make season two about Trump. Well, probably because that's what's going on in the world,
1: and it just seemed probably, you know, they probably thought that that was maybe the move at the time. I guess I don't know. All right, thanks, caller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's uh, t like TV obviously moves much quicker in terms of like culture. I feel like uh, in in, in that yeah. Uh, in that extent. Um, all right, we have a question from one of our uh, from one of our uh, patrons on the show. Uh, he says, uh, "What piece of IP do you most regret not having a chance to make during time with Amazon?" Or not having, just, a not or, having a chance to make. Not having a chance to make, or maybe something like you passed on. Not by, making. Not making. Yeah.
2: Um. You know, toward the end of when I was at Amazon, we there was kind of a mandate to. Uh, really focus on like fantasy and sci-fi uh, and try to get, you know, a big tent pole hit. And um, so during that time, we definitely saw some good shows that we could not do because they didn't, you know, qualify under that. And uh, the morning show was one. Kaminsky method was one. I definitely would have done that. Um, and Yellowstone was one as well.
1: Oh, so like they were those shows were were kind of like how does it work? Like, are is it is they are they brought to every studio and then it's like a bidding process, or is it just they go along and just everybody just declines until they finally find someone who?
2: Uh, morning show. They set up a conference room at CAA, you know, the agency, and and all the networks came on a particular day. Yeah, and uh. uh Kaminsky method they came over to our place so presumably they went everywhere and And did they have a pilot
1: at that point or a script
2: yeah I I think so I think so yeah and it was Chuck Lorre and Michael Douglas and of course they made a great show Um, you know they're very talented and um, uh, yeah and then Yellowstone I don't remember but um, that worked out well.
1: Yeah, that worked out pretty well. And what, I'm sure a lot of people are are interested, but, like, what extent is Jeff Bezos, like, involved in these? Like, when you say that they wanted, like, some giant tentpole fantasy, like, is, is that in any way coming from him or is he just kind of overseeing everything and, like...
2: Well, we wouldn't meet that frequently, but he definitely he had a point of view and and he definitely was supportive of that... Uh, tentpole sci fi fantasy uh, preference and point like, of view. I, I guess I think I, there was yeah. Go ahead. Sometimes you 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 like luck is a factor. Like sometimes you make a lot more progress in one area than in another. So in comedy, we we did relatively well and we won a bunch of awards and we made a lot of progress. And in in genre drama, it just it just took a bit longer. And, yeah. uh, I think, you know, eventually they started making a lot more progress and we did, you know, the first big one was probably the boys,
1: the boys. Yeah. Cause the boys is a huge hit. Like, I just wonder, like, is he the type of guy who's so busy? Like, is he, like, is he watching TV? And he goes like, yeah, we should do this. Like, is he in front of his TV just being like more of this kind of thing? <laughs>
2: he, he, <clears throat> he definitely watches TV and has opinions about it. I, I don't think he's watching TV like all the time, but no. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> not, know, enough. Yeah enough <laughs> he's enough. got a point of view yeah interesting
1: um cool and uh <laughs> this is a funny question i don't you're probably not gonna have any has nothing to do with you at all but multiple people asked the same question which was why was ring of power so shitty <laughs> uh, i had nothing to do with that yeah, I, No, i know you had nothing to do with that i don't know why people i think people are just so although i guess that's maybe an indication of like what's going on with um What's going on with, like, uh, just whatever, the world where, where they're just... Because it's all recycled. Like, is the whole recycling IP, is that just because that's a safe uh, bet for the most part? Because, like, I see a lot... I yeah, look at... I mean, it,
2: it really attracts customers. You yeah. know, it's, it's much easier than doing an original. And, you know, I think there's something unfortunate about that. But, uh, you know, I also think it's true. Um, and I think the the main problem Ring of Power had was that Galadriel was a little hard to access as a character. You know, she was, seemed like a very distant uh, protagonist, and uh, I maybe, maybe that'll evolve. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm
1: I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big fantasy guy. Um, right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I am not i am not i i do not know what it is, but I've always been just like super into. I mean, not what it is. It's just I'm really into into comedies and stuff. But yeah, like I was looking before before the show, like at the biggest movies of 2023, and it's just like all they're just remaking everything.
2: Sequels, you know, superheroes, but like and
1: like the remakes of stuff constantly. Yeah. Like you know, white men. Like that's a movie Andrew Schultz was in. White men can't jump. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I, I don't know. Like I, cause as someone who wants to write, like, you know, as someone who like, you know, I've written many scripts and like, that was you know, I had a goal of that to get into that thing. And then you're like, they don't even take new ideas. Like what's the best case scenario. Like you just get hired to rewrite like, to
2: yeah. Know, the slinky movie
1: or, yeah, or whatever, you know, but yeah. you're, like, you're like, they don't take new ideas. Like could there, can, is there somewhere out there like the next Lord of the Rings or next, like, I mean,
2: the thing is, like, it, it, you know, most of the movies used to be original. Yeah. You know, like, whatever. Like, if you go back in time, like, Ghostbusters was not based on anything. No. They just came up with an idea called Ghostbusters. Uh, You know, Stripes, Fletch, you know, Tootsie, whatever. Everything. Addy Shack, Animal House. Like, they're all hilarious and not based on anything. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, as part of our revolutionary plan, we need to include that.
1: Yeah, because I'm just like, it's so, I, I don't want to say it's discouraging, because I'm just like, whatever, obviously people like that. I guess there's some comfort. Like, I don't even, like, does that check the nostalgia box for them to re-release, like, an old, not re-release, but, like, put out something like a white man can't jump again? Like, I I don't even know if that does check the I nostalgia
2: yeah. Is it even nostalgia? Like, when did that come out?
1: It came out like, 1990. I mean, it would be for some, like, maybe for me, it would be nostalgic.
2: So, yeah, like, who's nostalgic? I'm trying to think who's nostalgic for it, uh, I guess. Um, I don't know, but audiences do use it as some kind of indicator that, like, this is a thing worth paying attention to because people probably put a lot of money in it and it has a star and everybody kind of gets organized around something that is a major IP.
1: Yeah. And they're just, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that someone makes sense. Like, and I, I was, I don't know if it was, uh, if it was on the podcast I was listening to you on, but like, it, it seems it used to be that they would just get some star and stars could just basically make a movie. Is that right. becoming less, less of the case?
2: I feel like that's much less the case. It's not zero. I think there are some stars like Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise. Um, But a lot of the stars, I feel like a lot of the stars are older, Um, you know, and they became stars in an earlier time when you could become a star. But, you know, who is... You know who are the stars under thirty-five? I think it's harder to become a star in that zone today. So, you know,
1: and they're all TV stars, right? All the people who I can think of who are like big younger celebrities, I think, are all from television at this point. Like I think of like Stranger well, Things, or
2: I think you could argue Scarlett is a star, and um... yeah,
1: but she's not under thirty-five.
2: No, but you know, she kind of kinda in that zone. Yeah. Um so that may be an exception. But you know, it's just like fewer than before. Um and you know, there there's just a lot more media now. There are a lot more T V shows, there's TikTok, there's YouTube. It's harder to have everybody in America focus on you, you know, for a couple weeks. Yeah. Um you know, like, there's nothing in our society akin to being on the cover of Rolling Stone in 1990. Right. You know? Yeah, like, yeah
1: that's just non-existent anymore.
2: Yeah, that would be like, if everybody in America only watched your TikTok for, like, a week.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: You know?
1: It is <laughs> so... Yeah, it's like... I. I. It's funny you say TikTok, because TikTok is actually trying to... I don't spend a lot of time on there. I have no idea what's going on, for the most part. Right. I post my stuff, and... I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it, but, but it is interesting where someone is, can be, you know, so like they'll show the way the algorithm works is they'll like show you somebody. And then as long as the algorithm is essentially blessing you, like it's like some sort of like Mayan God or something where they're like they, to that person where they keep showing you and they go, okay, that person's hugely famous, but then they just take them away. Like they'll just do that Mm. where, so that person is probably all of a sudden being like, man, I was, I got so much heat on me. And then it just disappeared. And they probably and there's no rhyme or reason for it. I guess just they just the way the algorithm works is like what extent is do algorithms play right now with even, you know, idea generation and not idea generation. But like the type of because I imagine that, you know, Amazon Prime has some sort of algorithm for predicting things. And so does Netflix and whatnot. So the people who design that theoretically uh Like, the way it works, like, because I'm sure the things that do popular based on this algorithm, they're going to make more of those.
2: Algorithms aren't really used in development.
1: Not in development. Like, you don't go look at the things that are kind of doing well on, for example,
2: like, Prime or whatever. That was all baloney. Really? That was, that? yeah, that was all baloney. Interesting. So, it was just straight
1: up with in terms of development is just you're the guy and they say we you know we're betting on Roy so Roy go pick us like some winners like is that
2: Well I mean you have a whole team and sometimes you will run it by the audience before uh you green light it so you can either make a pilot or you can you know take other versions like the premise or a longer version of the premise and run it by a thousand people and just see what they think. Uh, so we set up something called Amazon Preview, which was heavy users of, of the service plus big IMDb users, and you could send them premises or casting ideas or you know kind of a paragraph synopsis or but whatever you want. Yeah. And you know they would give feedback, and and that was that was you know not unhelpful. Uh, and then we did pilots for a while, but then we actually stopped doing that because it, it just delays you too much. Yeah, And it was it was a competitive disadvantage because other people were not doing it. And so is uh, that...
1: And then that was kind of like the modern version of test screenings? Because I've never heard of that before where you would just... Like IMDB users would just send them like... Uh, like, it, what would it be like if everybody was like hated this or everybody loved it, then you'd just be like, okay, that's the right path to go? Like, you're not necessarily making decisions based off of it but you'll be like yeah that's a we can go down this path now
2: i mean it's good to know what people think or at least what their reaction is to what you showed them you know if if you show a premise to a thousand people and and one thousand people hate it
1: right probably good to
2: know good to know
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) did you have any examples of that like where that it was like widely hated or loved like ideas that you would send and you go like this is...
2: You know, I I would say this. The The important thing is how many people... The important thing is that there are people who love it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's better to have 30% of people love it and 70% of people...
1: Just ambivalent. Don't kinda.
2: care, whatever. Yeah. Versus 100% of people think it's a seven.
1: Right, right. Yeah, because those people are just there's there's no they don't care. Yeah, there's there's no like you emotional know? attachment. All right, we got a yeah. uh, caller. We're gonna make this one the last one of the night. One All right. second, please. Hello.
3: Hello. Hey,
1: hey. what's up? Uh, one second, please. While we connect you to Roy. All right, you are on with Roy. Last caller of the night. Who am I speaking with? Uh,
3: this is Zakar G. Zakar G, how you doing, man? This is. Hey, good. Uh, I apologize. It was kind of off topic. I've been in and out of the the show tonight, but I was curious, um, Roy, what are your, what are your thoughts on social programming and like kind of the role that media plays in that? Or do you have any thoughts? I'm just curious.
2: What's social programming?
3: Uh, Social programming being like the messages that um, get kind of brought into the zeitgeist through entertainment uh,
1: uh, to you know, I guess like political messages, stuff like that. Like
3: you know, yeah, political or cultural messages, right. and it's yeah. okay if you don't have an opinion. I'm just curious. All right,
2: you know, my theory is that comedy, for some reason, comedy and politics, like, uses the same part of the brain. Because I know this is an idiosyncratic theory, but here's why: because so many careers basically go like this very very funny and you become you know famous and successful then step two become super political okay now never write anything funny ever again okay <laughs> and for some reason you know the new york times or the wall street journal or whatever like pushes the funny out of your brain unless <laughs> your name Unless your name is Norman Lear, you yeah. know, like there, there are like five people, you know, who can like do it both. They think about politics and comedy, but like, I try not to think too much, you know, or get too involved with politics because, because I, I think I've seen this like many times. And uh, so that's kind of my theory of it. I, I feel there should be kind of a church and state where um, you, you kind of deal with politics at, at, you know somewhat at, at your own risk
1: yeah i uh anything else there right. color you anything
3: else there? uh no I, I guess that's i was just it's so uh, it's kind of for you it's uh it's just a it's a result of a perverse incentives kind of a deal where you get a taste of fame and some success and well and people want to listen rec- to you, you kind of kinda, finger and it. it just
1: it kind of yeah it feeds in on itself all right th- thanks there he is sorry roy i'm stupid oh we lost him and he's back Hey. hey, sorry about that. I'm a dummy. No I meant to kick out the other guy from to just remove him. <laughs> Anyways, sorry about that. We are back with Roy. Apologies for that. So yeah, the thing you were saying because that was honestly such a the politics and the comedy thing is the smartest comedians always uh like the, especially comedy actors like you know like someone like an Adam Sandler nobody knows his politics. And he, right. Right? And it's, like, by design, because the moment... Like, there especially social media is the worst for that, because it gave these people, like, this instant access where you could, you know, put out an idea, and then people would be like, yeah, you're right. And mostly when you're a famous person, people are not disagreeing with you, unless you're going, whatever, against the the grain. But, like, yeah, the, that you're, like, totally right about that, where, like, the mixture of comedy and politics can be so poisonous, but also because... Comics are supposed to be like objective, as well. Yeah, right? and it's
2: supposed to be funny. I I don't. It's just like I've seen it a million times, and he, of course you could come up with this and that exception, and I'm sure there are more exceptions than I, I realize. But there's, boy, there's honestly of... there,
1: there's honestly not to be like you. You are pretty spot on on it because we talk about this like Ryan and I talk about this a lot because we get you know approached by. You know, things like the the Daily Wire. Like, the Daily Wire has, you know, they have tons of money right now. Like, they're throwing around real sums of money, and they'll be like, hey, do you want to come do, like, a project or whatever? They're like, we're making movies, we're doing all this stuff. But then you're like, well, then, you know, you can't can't be like, oh, I'm impartial politically when I'm making content for the Daily Wire. Right? You just, you, you can't. And that's like, you might not even necessarily, well... There's no way you'll make something for them without having to take some kind of position that they because the stuff that they're doing is is that right. But like it, it's so yeah, like, I mean, Trump should have should was a message to everybody in entertainment where you're like, look, it's like you don't need to give your opinions on on everything, uh, especially politics, because one, you just you alienate half of the country.
2: That's the thing. You know, half the people are not with you, whatever political position you take. So and I I really think it, it changes you. You know, if you get up in the morning and you're thinking about, you know, whatever, you know, uh, marginal tax rates or, you know, whatever political issue, uh, I, I do think it pushes something out of the mind that is the... Uh, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> the, like the part way, that makes jokes or the something. The part that
1: makes jokes. Yeah, for sure. You're like, what's what's funny about Martin? Yeah, it's just, I totally agree because there's, there's not a lot of comedians who have been able to, like, they, not that they don't exist, but you just, you run, it's such a risky endeavor. And the fact is most comedians, you don't really know their politics. Like they obviously have them, but the moment you know them, you're just like, it puts a stink on any commentary they have about anything. Cause you're like, well, you're just a soldier on the side of the debate essentially. So it'll be like, obviously you think that. And then also comedy is that there's an element of surprise, right? So if I know what, how you lean ideologically, I probably know what you're about to say. And then if you say the opposite of that, then I know you're lying because you kind of, it's almost like, have you heard the John C. Riley thing where he's like, I don't, he's like not on the internet. Like, He's got no social media. He doesn't like to do interviews, really, because he wants the mystique of, of himself almost to like exist, so that all the characters are, can almost like live. If that makes huh. sense, yeah. And That's I, I kinda, interesting. like he has like he's like secretive, you know. So his his, his a lot to- of
2: people do not have social media. I think I think George Clooney and. Um... But you know, they're are like a half dozen major major people who who don't do it at all.
1: Yeah, I I mean th- those are the smart ones because I feel like especially if you're a real like a list celebrity, you have so little to gain from that, and you have so much yeah. to lose. So much to lose. Yeah.
2: Although, oh. did you did you miss my banger today about uh, about cocaine bear?
1: Cocaine bear? No. What was your? How-
2: we're going to now do a series of movies, which are like substance plus animal. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, is is that
1: how Hollywood works? Like, that's what we have coming out. Oh, like, yeah.
2: Like, we've so- got to do crack bats. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're just on it. We're on it. That we're is
1: actually come to think of it. So I was looking at the top movies of this year. So that <laughs> that is that was like, I think, one of the maybe the 10th uh, highest grossing film this year. Uh-huh. something like that is so, a good idea yeah so and i feel like that kind of runs in like a, i mean that's obviously a comedy it's it seems like yeah, a, it, a bit of an anomaly that they made that i guess, like yeah
2: I, it it does seem like an anomaly to me I mean it, it is not nearly as polite as most of the stuff that is coming out
1: yeah like i remember i saw the trailers for that and then i was like oh this is going straight to whatever like this isn't going to be you know on on in theaters but i guess it's like when they put those those uh those numbers up like the the box office like i imagine that's that doesn't factor in any streaming although i guess that factors in like rentals
2: uh, the box office numbers.
1: Yeah, like because like the if you look up like the top movies of uh of 2023 or whatever, it it has like seven eighty million or something.
2: Yeah, eighty seven I think, or yeah, eighty seven million, which is uh-huh. but is
1: is that including uh like you know renting from iTunes or is that
2: no, that's just dollars at the theater.
1: Okay, so then there yeah. you go. So so that's I guess somewhat of a a swing in in the right direction there because.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, I would not have. Uh, I would not have expected that. Um, no,
2: that's that one got through somehow.
1: Yeah, and now, do you think like the whoever kind of greenlit that? Like, it, it, they're gonna uh, probably try and go make more of those. Like, is that like they're? It's gonna be really on the nose of like.
2: Well, I I don't know if you can sequel that one in particular, but it it probably. You know, makes it a little easier to do slightly crazy movies, you know, with a crazy premise, right? Uh, than than before. I mean, I, I you know, Elizabeth Banks was associated with that. She's super talented, and I yeah, think Carrie uh, Russell
1: was in that. I believe.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I I think Phil Lord and Chris Miller produced it, so you you had a lot of people behind it to get it over the over the line. Yeah. Um. Now, but I'm, we, I'm glad it got made.
1: When you were saying earlier that we need, you know, one's a fluke, two to three is is like a... is. Does this count
2: as one? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's one. That's one. So now we need two or three more.
1: <laughs> All right. So then the machine and then... I don't yeah. know what other comedies are and coming And
2: we'll do the one with the 3 million in in New York with uh with the, that with, we have to figure with Trevor out Trevor
1: Wallace. Well, we know yeah, Trevor has yeah, yeah. been on our podcast, so we know him. Uh Ryan Ryan's done some sketches with him, so we know Trevor, we can make that happen. Um Darn. all right. All right, Th- thank you. We're going to wrap this up. Thank you for coming on. Where can people uh find you if if they want to uh find you online?
2: Oh, I'm just at uh Twitter Roy Price.
1: And you have a sub stack as well that they can.
2: Yeah. I mean, it has a link tree, so you can see all the other things. Uh, all but the other the, stuff. You know, yeah. The easy thing to remember is Twitter Roy Price.
1: Right. Do you have any thoughts on what's going on with Twitter?
2: Not really. I mean, it, you know, seems to work fine.
1: No, but I mean, like, in terms of. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that buggy. No, I think I mean, in terms of, like, um, you know, how they have two hour. They've, like, now allowed you can upload up to two hours of video on Twitter. Uh, it, it seems like they're trying to bring podcasting on there. Tucker Carlson's show is going to be on there. Uh, now, I don't know if anyone well, on I, the left is going to be doing I actually about.
2: think Twitter is, is going to be huge, and it's already huge, but I, I think it's going to be much huger, and it has a huge opportunity in front of it. So. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could buy stock in Twitter now, but me I me too. I had
1: stock in Twitter, and then they did their deal, and he, he, Elon even said too that uh, at the time that he was going to try and let people keep a share of the private company, but then I guess he, I don't know if that was if that was even a possibility to actually in practice do.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm bullish on Twitter. I, I think they have a really strong roadmap, and uh, and I think they're going to succeed. So. Yeah.
1: It it is the only site where I don't feel like when I go off of it that I just wasted a bunch of time.
2: Yeah. Right. That's a good point.
1: Like TikTok and Instagram I get sucked into those things sometimes. Like I I I haven't like an app on my phone that like regulates my time on them so that like it kicks off. Oh really? Yeah, it's called Unpluck P L U K but or Q but it like like kicks me off. Yeah YouTube, oh, okay. is, yeah, YouTube is – yeah, YouTube is – I think Twitter's trying to fold in some of the best parts of YouTube uh-huh. into Twitter to be kind of like a bit of a more of an everything right? Stuff, I guess. But but yeah, but anyways, like Instagram, TikTok, when I get off of those, I was like that was that, – that was watching like whatever trash TV, but just online. Well, on like, TikTok
2: – there's one guy, by the way, on, on TikTok, uh, I think called SideQuests that is very funny that you might like, uh, but basically on TikTok I, I think I liked a couple things from Kingdom of Heaven, you know the Ridley Scott movie, yeah. And so ever since then, all it gives me is, is like trad, cath, <laughs> trad Catholic, like yeah, yeah. hardcore medieval uh, stuff. And apparently, uh,
1: you can reset your algorithm. I think TikTok has like a setting (laughs) because sometimes I wish I could. I had to make like a new Twitter account. Like I have basically like a hardcore because I fancy myself pretty middle of the road. But then I start I feel getting shown too much like stuff on the right. So then I have like a hardcore liberal Twitter account. So that my, so that Twitter account only gets shown stuff on the left so that I can kinda of like balance it out. Because they huh. need they need like modes. Like Lex Friedman said it, but I thought this for a long time where like I need like a mode. Like I need like a church mom mode on Twitter where I can see what that they would see. Like I want to see all these people's different POVs on like on Twitter essentially. So that that's I just, interesting. Just so I can have a different look at what people like what they're you know, view of the right. world is, you know, because otherwise right. you just get fed some of this, just like a loop. Another yeah. Thing.
2: Well, I, I have the mute list, so I have a lot of topics muted. Yeah. Like there are many things I'm not interested in. Right. And so I, I find that very helpful. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've done for a instance, little... with like Harry and Megan. Right. Like I had to hit that hard on the mute <laughs> list. It's every variation of the name, like Duke and Duchess of Sussex. And or, you, do you know, have to do a-
1: and every like four different spellings of Megan and like, yeah,
2: right. Like oh. in case someone misspells it, <laughs> you got to catch that. <laughs> but no, now no. I've got it. I've got it filtered out cold. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's a, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they'll be able to do a thing where you get just like, you know, um, basically use people's filters. You're like, Hey, can I, or something like that maybe. Yeah right i don't know i I agree though i think twitter is uh, i'm very excited about twitter it's the only one i think it's the only one i think is doing cool stuff that's not literally just based around sucking you into the app and keeping you there for no good reason yeah like they're trying to actually do something beneficial (laughs) um all right roy thank you very much uh this has been a really fun episode and I, i appreciate you coming on everybody go follow roy over on twitter roy price tv on twitter
2: that was correct. I think it's just Roy Price. Oh, just
1: Roy Price. Uh, my mistake. Yeah. And uh, we will be starting the after show at 11 o'clock tonight. You can uh, sign up over on Patreon or, you know, the places you can sign up. All right. Good night, everybody. See and back tomorrow night with a new episode of The Bathhouse, 1030 p.m. See you soon. Good night.
3: Oh, my shit heroic. Empathic abilities, yeah, my face be also oh stolen stoic. Please
1: blow up, nigga. That just means I'm working. They see me as a leader, so that's why I'm Kirk These tracks from the stars. That much is for certain. You can feel this here if you up or if you hurting. I'm raising my stock, not talking my feet in some Birkin. Number Johnny Five, got a fucking short circuit. Bring the track to life when I spit phenomenon. When I hit, she feel that shit in her abdominals. These rappers make me laugh like comedy, view, they comic comical. You know I got a ball out. I hit the track running just like Sonic do. They don't want to turn on my light switch. Yeah,
3: they get me on my hype shit. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. And they try to down me up some K.O. type shit. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. They we putting up pressure on some flight shit. Ah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Uh-huh. They don't wanna turn on my light switch. Yeah. They trying to get me on my hype shit. Yeah. They, they don't wanna turn on my light, light switch. Yeah. They, they mm-hmm. try mm-hmm. to down me up some K.O. type shit. Yeah. They
1: don't wanna turn on my light switch.